Welcome to Now Playing, the movie review podcast, hosted by Marjorie, Arnie, and Stuart. Today we're discussing The Human Centipede 3, final sequence, starring Eric Roberts, Robert Lissardo, Brie Olson, Tom Six, Tommy Tiny Lister, Lawrence R. Harvey, Dieter Laser, directed by Tom Six. This is the Now Playing co-host who will always speak with a stupid filmmaker about his poop fetish, Arnie. <laughs> and Stuart, looking very much forward to having my sentence freed and I can untie myself from this series. And this is Marjorie, not the middle. <laughs> I don't think any of us are forming the centipede this time. I forgot about Human Centipede. I gotta say, this is one that uh, it, it took so long to get a third one. You know, they rushed the second one out. I didn't remember anything about these movies other than they shocked me. Uh, honestly, four years after Human Centipede 2, all I could remember is one was in color, one was in black and white, and they both had villains that got under my skin and I gave a pass to for just being outrageous and raunchy. But honestly, who was needing a third centipede? I think they could have perhaps made a third one. I was on board with it. I thought the first one was brilliant. I thought Dieter Laser was great as a villain. I mean, there's so many little things he did to be scary, but not like you'd see him and run from him. He was very good criminal mastermind. The second one, I thought it was pretty inventive where they stepped out of showing you the movie and you had a guy, Lawrence Harvey, who was obsessed with the movie, had a terrible life, and he tried to recreate a centipede. It's like he needed something to love. And then I'm like, all right, third one, on board with this, frantically searching our video on demand, nowhere in theaters near us. I think it was the nearest drive was like four and a half hours away. Mm. So we had a mini Memorial Day Human Centipede Marathon and watched the first two and then rented the third. And here we are. Oh, you did go back and watch the other ones. Yeah. Yeah. And I was excited for the Human Centipede 3. I mean, (laughs) Stuart, you and I had kind of gone back and forth. Where will it be in the schedule? Where are we going to fit it? We thought it might come out last Halloween because it's been done for a while. Yes. Marjorie and I went to a horror con after Human Centipede 2 and I met Lawrence Harvey who wore like the lab coat. And when I posed with him for a photo, he brought out like a stapler to staple me. I met Ashlyn and Ashley from the first movie and got my pictures taken with them and talked to them about the films. And I have had Google News Alerts set up for The Human Centipede 3, wanting it, knowing that my two favorite characters from the first, or at least the two actors I loved most from the first, Lawrence Harvey and Dieter Laser, were going to combine forces in the third one. And for a long time, the entire plot was under wraps. Just the title, it was the full sequence, and you'd have both of those actors in it. I wanted to see it. I was really excited for it. And as it got closer, man, was I jazzed. And then I saw the trailer and I went, well, I'll judge the movie. (laughs) And now I've judged the movie. And here we are today. I guess I'm standalone then. To me, this felt like something that had instantly dated. Like, Human Centipede, that was 2010, 2011. I mean, it's a catchphrase as dead as talk to the hand. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's like, it's over. We were over this. Having revisited the first two, I have to say I have to revise my reviews a little bit. Because I said the first one was so good, so scary. The second one, not as good. Well... I've rewatched these a few times over the years, or at least the first one. I'd never rewatched the second one. And on my third viewing of part one, I can now say once the shock of it is over, once you've acclimated to the idea of a human centipede, the B-movie nature of this, especially 
Dieter Laser's interactions with the police really shine through. And what was a strong recommend, if you aren't horrified and shocked by it, which I've become desensitized now, just merely becomes a weaker recommend. Whereas the second one, which I didn't like as much, the comedy holds up and the interplay of Lawrence Harvey with his mother and his shrink holds up. And so as a comedy, it's actually the stronger of the two films. I'm surprised that Tom Six did not move on. I thought that he would have other projects. And indeed, I got a chance to speak with him. I was at the world premiere theatrical Human Centipede in Hollywood, where cast and crew were all there to answer questions, host contest. He gave away a painting of an American flag in centipede style, and it was a big event. So I got to attend this showing and, and see it in full bloom. But he talked about him having other ideas. He is going to make other movies. His next film will not be Human Centipede 4. But yes, he saw it very important to have a trilogy kind of because of the biology of a human centipede. He wanted three films that were attached in some ways, and yet each was outside the other. So it's postmodern in that way. This Human Centipede 3 exists in a world where one and two are films within it. You know, the people are watching the DVDs of the first two movies and talking about emulating it in this third one. He saw that as, as being important and integral to the series. And yes, he wanted to bring the characters that were popular back, but in an American horror story fashion where they would be playing new characters. It would be the same actors, but given entirely different characteristics. The whole movie franchise is so meta that it's beyond meta at this point. You guys like that about two, though. I remember you guys were okay with each time it steps outside itself. It's it's attached only ass to mouth, I suppose, each sequel. <laughs> But, you know, thinking back on Mad Max, which we just watched <laughs> eight days ago, we released that show. I, I define George Miller as an artist. And I, I use that word here to describe Tom Six, too. And uh, <laughs> it's going to sound strange because I'm not going to feel the same way about Mad Max that I do about this third Human Centipede movie. But I think it's important to stress here. Yes, Tom Six does not care about entertainment. He is not out to please the audience. He made that clear in the Q&A. He wanted the villain to win. He wanted his obsessions to rule and he does what he does and we can like it or not. He gives us permission to walk away if we can't stand it. But I think much like George Miller, he makes us come to him with this series that it's going to play by his rules. And I think when you call somebody an artist, that usually sounds like a compliment. It usually sounds like, oh, they've <laughs> taken something that was ordinary and made it extraordinary. They're visionary people here. But there is the level of artistic douchebaggery that I invoke from time to time. Well, yeah. Well, art, you can be a very bad artist and still earn that label. I mean, I think oftentimes people would rather see a competent craftsman than a failed artist. Pretension and disregard for what audiences think about something, that's not entertainment. If you think of movies as entertainment, an artist is against that. He's got his vision. He's going to complete it here. It was a stunner. I got to say, this movie started off with people chanting, ass to mouth, ass to mouth. Everyone very excited. It ended with polite applause and a lot of walkout. I think we need to go to more movies that scream that. That sounds like that would be fun. Uh, Most of them involve masturbation by the audience. That's true. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't want to put your ass on those seats. That's what no. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Not without a good wet wipe. <laughs> but speaking of which, Arnie, uh, why don't you uh, clean off the plot of this and we can try mm -hmm. to get through Human Centipede 3. Not as short a plot as Mad Max Fury Road, but close. <laughs> 
The George H.W. Bush Detention Center is one of the most violent prisons in the country. Its population of hardened criminals continually attack each other and the guards. Making matters worse is the prison warden Bill Boss, played by Dieter Laser. Boss thinks the way to keep captives in line is by employing an eye-for-an-eye mentality, waterboarding prisoners with scalding water, beating up others, and one prisoner is even castrated. But Boss's techniques only serve to stir more unrest among the prisoners, and the governor, played by Eric Roberts, threatens to fire Bill. So to save their jobs, the prison accountant Dwight Butler, played by Lawrence R. Harvey, with a Hitler-esque mustache, has an idea to reduce costs and deter prisoners. Butler is a huge fan of the previous two Human Centipede films. Yes, like in Human Centipede 2, in this film, both Human Centipede films are movies, and Butler suggests taking all 500 prisoners and creating the first Human Prison Centipede. Boss, descending into madness, at first refuses but eventually agrees. The prison's head doctor, who operates without a medical license, is also on board, so they invite director Tom Six, playing himself, to validate the medical accuracy of the films. Six agrees that it is medically accurate, but insists on being there to see his vision in reality. Butler modifies the procedure so as not to permanently disfigure the prisoners, stitches sew one prisoner's mouth to the preceding prisoner's anus, and drugs are used to paralyze the knee muscles instead of cutting the tendons, and the construction begins. And Boss takes it to the next level. For all prisoners in with life sentences, or scheduled for the death penalty, he has all the arms and legs amputated and creates the human caterpillar. When the governor visits, he is at first appalled by the inhumane, cruel, and unusual punishments inflicted on the prisoners. But the more he thinks about it, the more the governor realizes what Butler said was true. It's a cost savings of billions if implemented across the state, and a severe deterrent to future criminals. So the governor congratulates Boss on a job well done. To take full credit for the invention, Boss shoots Butler in the head and walks out triumphant as credits roll to the tune of the Star-Spangled Banner. Because it's America, damn it! And that was the big deal, was that he knew before he had the plot, Tom Six knew he wanted to finish out the trilogy in America because, I don't know, is this political satire? It's attempting to be, is how I'll phrase it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not quite sure what's happening. I mean, first of all, it should be said, we're in 2015. Obama is about to finish up. Like, George H.W. Bush, all of this feels very dated. I mean, predating even the first human centipede. But in Texas, everything is named George Bush or George H.W. Bush. Sure. And that's how many people perceive America in Europe, that it's, we're a bunch of renegade cowboys living out a George Bush fantasy. I just already starting off on the wrong foot, completely irrelevant. An old concept that shock value had already worn off is now going to attack George W. Bush in a prison where, yeah, we watch scene after scene of degrading acts. Oh, boy. And I feel like I've seen this movie before. In 2003, Beyond Reanimator covered this first. Down to genital mutilation and objectification of a female prison worker. I mean, <laughs> it was strange that I was getting callbacks to that and Natural Born Killers as well about, again, another Texas prison warden. That one was played by Tommy Lee Jones, chewing up as much scenery as he could. But... I think it's important also to note, this is the first Human Centipede podcast where before the plot summary, none of us said, stay away. This could be bad. You may not want to hear this. Is it that we're desensitized to the centipication or is it this one to me 
didn't feel as boundary pushing. There's going to be violence. There's going to be limbs chopped off. It's not anything worse than a Friday the 13th installment other than one shot of testicles. Nothing in this movie made me cringe or be like, oh, I mean, the first one I really didn't except when he was pulling their teeth because I think everyone is sensitive to that. But cutting of the knees got me a little too. Yeah, you're kind of weird like that. The second one, I think... You okay there? Just thinking of the hammering out of those teeth. The hammering out of the teeth and the gratuitous laxative usage and their ending results there kind of was like, oh. But this one, it's just a cheap horror movie. I don't feel like he has any grand ideas about America other than, yes, we're crazy cowboys that like to torture people. And that's as deep as the satire goes here. He also claimed it wasn't in a political attack. That, although this movie is billed 100% politically incorrect, <laughs> I, I think that's a play off the medically accurate or inaccurate. But as far as the extremeness of it, it is the most extreme. This movie starts at 11 and finishes at 11. I feel like he's doing everything. There's no build-up to the gore. Gore is happening even before they get to the centipede. In fact, it takes 70 minutes for them to finally agree they're going to make the centipede. I don't know why it takes so long, but we're treated to all sorts of close-ups of castrations and what have you in the meantime. Yeah, there's some compound fractures and things, but again, the castration is the only thing that seems outside of the norm for a horror movie to me. You say 11, if you're judging this by just the horror movies now playing has covered, I'd say it's at around an 8. Okay, Uh, the man keeps a jar of African clitorises on his desk that he eats to gain strength. Yes, and in the previous movie, we would have seen him cut them off the woman. Okay, yeah, all right, fine. If that is your standard, then I'm sorry this disappoints you. I found this movie vulgar right from the get-go with little humor. It is vulgar, yes, but it is stated vulgarity. He says these are clitorises that are fried and I ordered them from Africa. It's stated, but it's not going to give you the willies. The movie will turn you off with its ideas, but there's nothing here that I feel would scar someone for life the way I feel the first two movies have. But I think that we have reached a point in horror movies that nothing can shock us now because the human centipede, I think, was the last thing. The testicle scene didn't bother me. I don't have testicles. Um, You guys, did you... I winced at that one. Okay. Definitely. I found a lot of this movie very gross by design. If that was his all his aim, he succeeds. Tom Six succeeds in repulsing me in this movie. Oh, I'm repulsed by this movie. (laughs) I think there's another factor in this, though. And Six pointed it out in the Q&A is that originally they were victims being attacked. They were innocent people that were abducted and that were put into harm's way. And on some level... We had empathy for them. Here, by setting it in a prison, we're getting back to Six's original idea. When he first thought of the human centipede itself, constructing one, he thought of it as a torture method for child molesters. He thought, wouldn't it be great to staple a child molester's mouth to a truck driver's ass? And so he said it was important to finish there, that he wanted to see it implemented as punishment. But in doing so, by having these prisoners that we never know anything about other than what's done to them, it gives us an entire screen full of people we don't care about. And the people I care about least are Bill Boss, Dieter Laser's character, and Dwight Butler, played by Lawrence R. Harvey. This is really their movie, and so much of it is shot inside 
the warden's office that at times it felt like a stage play. They would go out once in a while, but primarily the majority of this movie's hundred plus minutes, hour 40, is those two interacting or overacting in that office. Yeah. I loved, loved, loved Lawrence Harvey's attempt at a Southern drawl. And Dieter Lasers for that matter. He was started out where it would come and go. And then I think when he was full on crazy and shouting and naked, you just gave up. I think that's what happened. Well, what we're finding out is that Dieter Laser's character, Bill Boss, is German-American, and when he and he works himself up into a frenzy, he sounds like Hitler. I think the reason why Lawrence Harvey has that mustache is that he's trying to be like his boss. He has a throwaway line where he says, I grew it for you, or to be like you. He says to look more like you, which confused me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, yes, Boss doesn't have a mustache. But, yes, I agree. Most of this alleged comedy comes from bickering between these two without the aid of creating the centipede. And that is an obvious mistake now that we see their acting abilities. It's sad to learn this because I cited them as the reasons to seek out Human Centipede 1 and 2 was to see these character actors go to town and be crazy here by giving them free range with nothing to play off but each other it's unbearable it was painful at times it was so awful i can't believe how much of it there is when it starts off this way i'm kind of okay with it i mean the movie literally starts just like human centipede 2 started by watching clips of the previous film's endings and then we find out this is boss bill's first time watching this and he is just shouting and overacting and being a little nuts. And I'm like, okay, we're being introduced to these characters. If it had been 10 minutes of that, I would feel differently than it is that we have, yeah, 70 minutes of this before even anything starts to happen, other than the violence inflicted on the prisoners. And man, the scene where I knew I was in trouble with Dieter Laser comes pretty early on. He goes down into the prison and there's all the prisoners there. And for some reason, he pulls his gun and points it right at the camera and starts screaming and overacting and falling to his knees. And I don't know if I'm supposed to be scared, amused. I can barely understand half of what he says this whole movie. I several times rewound it. I couldn't figure out he was eating clitorises until I rewound it. I'm like, what is he saying? And... When he falls to his knees and does his little speech with the gun, this early on, I'm like, oh, fuck me. (laughs) We got more of this for an hour 20. I agree. It's not funny even for a minute, and it's the movie. I thought this was Tom Six. I actually thought Dieter was doing an impression of his director. Tom Six has a whole thing going on. He's always wearing a white suit with a hat. He's always got this dandy impression, but inside he's, of course, we're supposed to think of him as this crazy genius who has these unsavory ideas that they're pointing the gun at the audience and shooting at us. I feel like this is a middle finger. I think this is Tom Six saying, I don't care about you. The next 100 minutes are me torturing you. And I feel I have the right to do that. It was torture. 
Yeah, I think by design. Again, I go back to artist. Whether you want to call Six a good or bad artist, he doesn't care about entertaining you. This film will not entertain you unless you have a perverse love of torture. I don't consider myself perverse, but I enjoyed the experience of watching the torture the first two films. But here, when he's going down and giving one inmate a compound fracture... I'm just not moved when he castrates the other prisoner. And this is an actor I know by shooting in L.A. And I didn't realize it was shot there. But he does have a list of faces we've seen before. And the one I actually know most was Robert Lissardo, second build. This guy is the tattooed guy with the bald head. He was just so memorable and the professional and then stole the show the first season of Nip Tuck. And... He's the one who gets castrated, and I'm like, wow, they're showing us Robert Lasardo's scrotum? Oh, wait, they're cutting it. That's a prosthetic. Okay, better. But, ooh, and that's the only thing this whole movie that gets a reaction from me. And then the fact that Boss Bill decides to have them cooked and eat them for lunch. It's repugnant. It's sick. It's gross. But yet... I think because of the level of the acting, the fact that we have Laser speaking in English when he was speaking German previously for some of it, or that heavily accented stilted English, it worked for me better than when he's here doing this. And then, of course, there's also all the abuse they heap upon his secretary, Daisy. I like Daisy. I thought she's super cute. She played the part well, and yes, she is a porn actress, but that doesn't mean she can't act, right? I've seen her do better in other films, yes, like the A-Team parody. But she played well off of their craziness. At times, she looked genuinely frightened, which I probably would be in the same room as what was going on there with that shouting and the theatrics. But I think she did a good job with what she had to work with with these two guys, I don't think either of them we've discussed aren't great actors, and it's sad when the porn actress was better than the two other guys. Yeah, no, it, this whole thing is sad. I don't really get the conflict going on here. She's agreed to be the secretary of boss because her, we're told her father was a prisoner, and to get him released, she now services him regularly. She both brings him real meals and gives him blowjobs and what have you, and that's explored explicitly for 10-minute intervals. But what this character is here to do is largely be something beautiful that can later be degraded in a prison riot and attached to the centipede. Well, there's another arc there, and it's that Dwight, the Lawrence R. Harvey character, really loves Daisy, or he thinks he loves Daisy. He admires her from afar, but because he's a short little fat man with bulging eyes, she finds him repulsive and can't even give an obligatory blowjob to the boss if Dwight's in the room. If Dwight's looking at her, she slams the door. So she thinks, despite force finger fucking her at the job and being degrading, that somehow Bill Boss is better than Dwight. And that opinion switches. Yeah, can we do a hot or not on these two? I mean, is really <laughs> Dieter Laser so much better than Lawrence Harvey? Dieter Laser has the best jaw I've ever seen in my life. That such defined jaw. He freaking looks like a skeleton. But then yeah. they showed him with his shirt off. He had like some serious muscles going on for an old man. It, he is 70. Yeah, he's as old as my dad. 
Yeah, he was at the screening. He was there. He was very animated. I was actually relieved. You know, I talked so much in the first movie about him looking like the specter of death. I figured, much like the old man Kane in Poltergeist 2, he wouldn't have long for this world. But he has lived five years beyond the filming of that first movie. And yes, he looks like he gained some weight. He looks like he is healthier than five years ago. And he was very animated during the Q&A. I have to believe a lot of what he's doing here was ad-libbed, or at least encouraged by Six. Because even when they asked him questions in the Q&A, they would get 10-minute answers of rambling, you know, offense-laden nonsense. And I just feel like, oh, this guy can't be directed. And Six is so in love with him saying foul things that he just has no problem indulging him for this movie. It takes 70 minutes. I want to stress this. Here is somebody that is talking about bringing back medieval torture to get his prison in line, and yet it takes 70 minutes for him to be convinced to make the centipede. Why is he resistant? Well, for 50 of the 70 minutes, he won't even hear the idea. He is so into his own insanity, and trying to take this movie as a plot-driven thing, what I believe we're seeing is a warden who has already descended into madness. When he castrates somebody, he's rubbing his face with their blood. He's drinking too much. He's in danger of losing his job. He's, everything's on the line. And so he's just gone insane, waterboarding the prisoner with the boiling water. But a recurring, I dare say, joke of this film is Lawrence R. Harvey keeps going, I have an idea and holding up the previous two movies and talking about the previous two movies to anyone who will listen. And of course, they're always highly complimented like the doctor. Oh yeah, I'm a big fan of those films. Every time Dwight tries to bring it up, Boss just screams, shut up and won't let him speak. It's not until like 50 minutes where Dwight gets some balls after Boss has eaten some and slams his hands on the desk and says, you need to listen to me. And then still boss says no, but he eventually comes around because it is torture. I mean, for someone who's so up on torture, I think you'd almost be into sewing people together. It sounds like a lot of work. The first scene of the movie is a boss watching the films. He doesn't like them. Why not? He's living it. I mean, that's what doesn't make any sense, is that they've created this character that the more defilement you can do to a person, the better he enjoys it. It's his version of sex. Why wouldn't he be the fan of Human Centipede? And why does he call out that Dwight looks like the killer from part two, and nobody calls out that he looks like the killer from part one? Ooh, good point. Yeah. I knew pretty early on that this was not going to be a good film. And I remembered saying during my Mad Max review that I'd still give Fury Road a green arrow if it had the climax that it did. That if Miller shat on the camera lens, I'd still give it a green arrow. I knew that that wasn't true. I, re- I want to recant that. That <laughs> there's nothing after the first 50 minutes that can redeem this film. Instant karma for saying that. It, yeah, it, true. Truly. There's no redeeming this movie. The question became in my mind. Honestly, is this the worst thing we've ever reviewed for now playing? That was the new bar after the 50-minute mark. I held out hope because I felt like they were getting to the centipede. They were introducing the doctors and all that. And Boss was so crazy. I had no idea where this film would go other than, I mean, they showed it in the trailer, a prison centipede. There's no suspense on if that will happen if you saw the trailer. And I did think this movie could possibly be redeemed 
in the, the final act when we get there. But man, it's so long getting there. And it even extends with a fucking dream sequence. The kidney fuck. Now, that was inventive. I gotta give it the kidney fuck. Uh, I would like to think that probably happens in prisons, but yeah, that was something. I don't know that I needed to see that. And Robert Lasardo played it right. The fact that, oh, this feels good. And I mean, he's a menacing guy and I sort of enjoyed the kidney fuck dream sequence. Yeah, he's actually really good. I actually want to, if I'm going to give a compliment, the biggest one I have is for Robert Lasardo. He plays it counterintuitive. While everyone else is screaming and mugging and going as big as possible, he's actually really low key. And it's a staggering contrast. He looks so good by comparison that yes, even when he is cutting a hole in Dieter Laser and yeah, inserting himself into the man's, you know, renal system, you feel like this is an actor you want to watch. Yeah, again, he did this exact character on Nip Tuck. Exactly mm-hmm. the same deliveries, exactly the same calmness, and still a badass. So I think it's this actor's general performance, but you're right. He is truthfully, him and Bree are the two best things about this movie. Yeah, I agree with Brie. I mean, since she is playing this degraded sex servant robot, that she's a porn star is actually right casting. And she is cute. And she does not seem embarrassed by all the things that she has to do here on screen that I would think any actress that had hopes for having a legitimate career would never do. There were also some actors who came back. I don't know if you caught it. I don't think we would have if it wasn't that we just rewatched them. But this actor... Peter Blankenstein, he was one of the cops from the original. I think he might have put on a wig and beard and played the shrink in part two. And he's back here in part three as a prisoner. And then Akiro Kitamura, who was the front of the human centipede in part one. He's one of the prisoners here. It is kind of a whoever Tom Six could get back from the previous ones, I think, did cameo. Yeah, and and it lets you know they're not embarrassed that what's happening here. I mean, I know that because I saw them all stand up there and smile and pose for pictures after this movie was done. Only one cast member walked out on this film, and uh, it was the head of the centipede. But everyone else got up there and talked about this being a positive experience and liking working with Tom Six. Tom Six seemed like he was a genial person when he was playing himself in the movie. All right, so Boss calls Tom Six. This is where we go so meta. And I have to say, I honestly thought the worst performance by a director on screen would be given by Quentin Tarantino, especially in Pulp Fiction. But Six could take acting lessons from Tarantino. It was painful. It was very painful. And I kept getting distracted because his suit looked like they had wrinkled it up and left it in the corner of a hot car. And then he just kept putting it on because it it looked like a hobo. I kept getting distracted because I saw the camera crew in his glasses. That is actually the thing about him is that he's meaning to create this suit look that he's distinguished to give him an, an extra dimension, but it's so wrinkled that he looks like a child that's been dressed up by his mama to go to church. It looks bad on him. And that was at the world premiere. He was still in that crinkly suit. He, I guess, doesn't believe in an ironing board. They did the same thing with Eric Roberts, though. When the governor shows up, he's in a suit that's like two sizes too big. <laughs> he looked like a little kid in his dad's suit. 
Yeah, this is a, a amateurism. I do feel like he talked about the visual style of this movie and that he wanted each film to have a distinct one. I do feel like the first one was Euro horror. The second one with the black and white was going grunge. Uh, this one is much like everything else here. America, Hollywood, uh, melodrama from the 1950s. It looks like a set. It looks artificial. It looks vaguely like a prison movie you might see, you know, 60 years ago. The one thing I thought, I thought that I knew how this film would end because they keep setting up that boss has a heart murmur and high blood pressure. I felt for sure this film would end in some ironic twist that he died of heart failure because he won't even listen to the doctor when he says that he's ill. But this is something that doesn't ever pay off or have any point. Yeah, I don't... Was that meant to make you think he had weakness? I wasn't really sure. I felt unrelenting from Dieter. I guess he looks weak. The one other time he looks weak in this movie is they have the idea to screen the films for the prisoners before they start attaching the mask to mouth. He wants them to know what's coming, and so they riot, and he actually has to jump out the window and cower behind a tree. That was the other time that I felt like, oh, we're supposed to think of him as, as vulnerable in some way. Yeah, he claims to be injured. He doesn't seem too injured. He then gets another monologue and aims his gun at a hawk or an eagle or something. And man, I just, by that point in the movie, I actually turned on Dieter Laser so much that this is hurting my opinion of the first film. Yeah, how could it not? Uh, yes, I'm It's feeling that exact same way. It's like, oh, not only am I regretting watching this movie, I'm regretting ever covering this series. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think this is a first for us, where something is so bad, we all are filled with a sense of regret. Yeah, no, and, and it's weird because if Tom Six were a better artist, he could still make more out of this. We could still have character arcs. He could still challenge us in, in provocative ways. But again, characters just turn all of a sudden for no reason. It is not dramatically satisfying to have a character for 70 minutes say, no, 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 and all of a sudden go, yes. For some reason that I cannot determine, all of a sudden, Bill Boss is ready to make the centipede. Who knows why, but he's finally on board, and he uses his shady doctor who perhaps went to Kaplan University or Phoenix, who can't get a license to complete his dream now of the centipede. I'm not trying to apply any realism to this movie, but I was thinking, are they really thinking that prisoners who will get out can be permanently scarred like this? So I kind of liked that Lawrence Harvey's character, Dwight, says, okay, we can't scar them, so I've come up with these improvements. We'll just inject the muscles. We'll force a bit into their mouth so they can't close their jaw. We'll just stitch them very close. It was another change up on the centipede. We've never seen the centipede made the same way twice. And it did kind of give me the willies when you start seeing the thread go through the lips and the thread go through the anus and then the face pulled towards the anus as the thread tightens. 
Yeah, no, that is... Yeah, you guys are talking about, oh, this is an 8. No, this movie's at 11. That is a really nasty image. And if you judge these movies purely by how much they revolt you with what we're watching, if you just look at it as a medical documentary, yeah, that's horrible when that guy's pulled by his sutures of his lips into the mouth. I mean, it's an extreme close-up. We really get the sensation of what it must be like in those final seconds when you're not even, you know, there's no anesthetic or anything. He's wide awake being pulled into that anus. But is it anything worse than what you see in Saw? I don't know, because I hate Saw movies. But this is, I think, working on that level that you claim to like. This is a repulsive, horrific moment. To me, repulsion without suspense is nothing. Agreed. But I can also go with just boundary pushing without suspense. Now, the first film and the second film actually had good suspense in them. This has no suspense. I don't think it's boundary pushing. I think... You know, compared to the other two, it is tame. So it's failing me on every level. I have no suspense. I have no characters. And there's nothing here that's making me squirm in my seat. I'm squirming all the time. I can't wait for this movie to get out. And people are leaving. I want to say everyone is leaving this theater. The ass-to-mouth crowd that has raffle tickets to win the posters and sign the autographs and all are slowly drifting out of here. The laughter is dying. You can feel the energy level in the room just going away here. It's kind of embarrassing because I actually found myself turning and looking at the cast during the movie more than the actual screen because I wanted to see how they were processing watching a huge embarrassment on screen. And? Well, like I said, Tony Lister did leave the film. He did not stay for the Q&A. I think that speaks volumes. He has a Hollywood career. You might remember him from Fifth Element and Friday and... Jackie Brown. I mean, he's worked with Tarantino. Yeah, he can go on and be just fine and no one ever has to know he was involved with this. So why do publicity? What does he owe these people? He did them a favor. But others were complimentary. Others did not appear embarrassed. Robert Lissardo actually seemed nonplussed about it. He's like, I've come from a prison background. I've seen this stuff for real. I'm from the hood. You know, he played that card. I know this as reality, so this didn't shock me, and I'm fine with Six doing this. I wonder if he served time with Trejo then, because Trejo always gives that story. Yeah, I feel like I always respect casts that are gracious and will give compliments to the director. I still can't think that this must have been fun to film. And it is embarrassing. I'm embarrassed for them. Whether they admit it or not, it must be embarrassing to be at your big Hollywood red carpet premiere, sit down and watch this bomb in front of an audience of fans. I do have to say there's one place in this movie where I can't believe they went there. And I didn't squirm. It wasn't overly gory, but it was really just fucked up was when they're starting to assemble the centipede and they find prisoners who can't be part of it. There's the one in the wheelchair, but specifically the one that bothered me was the guy with the colostomy bag. And nobody had the foresight just to make him the end. I mean, he could have just been the end of the centipede, but instead, boss pulls off his bag, flinging shit everywhere, shoves his gun in the hole and shoots him. And I'm like, 
Oh, this is so childish. I mean, that's the word I keep going to. It's just like, it is a child playing at its own feces. It is not a joke anymore. We were already repulsed by this years ago. The moment has passed, and I can't believe there's nothing else for them to do other than, yes, we're just watching, you know, more Nazi jokes. Okay, so he's going to go euthanize anyone that can't do the work. There's a guy that likes eating shit. They find him in the jail cell, and he can't control it. He's just eating his turds, and so they shoot him as well. I'm just like, man, why don't they shoot Tom Six? The irony is that (laughs) the director playing himself appears to have a weak constitution. He vomits when he finds the beginnings of the human caterpillar. Which I really was hoping, because you see just the beginning of him chopping off arms and legs, and you you don't know what's going on. That could have been the next franchise had they explored that more. Instead, we get literally a 10-second view of the human caterpillar, and that's it, and then we're done. There's no fun with a human caterpillar. It can't really move. Neither can a human centipede, really. I mean, that's well, 50 Really, people. there is no human centipede. But No, but they had problems in the first one when they were moving, and the second one, it, it's coordinated. You know, he's cut their knees. This, their knees are paralyzed. I, I just wanted to see more of the human caterpillar to give me something in this movie to enjoy. That, yeah, that was a dissatisfying new addition. I mean, you always want to give somebody new, but again, there are no new ideas here. They should have left this alone. If they didn't have anything better than to make it longer, then there's nothing to explore here. I guess the exploration is is making metaphor out of what the U.S. and George Bush has done to prisoners, I guess we have to take it as political satire because there's nothing else to endure here that's worth it. There's nothing that the first two movies didn't already cover years ago. Yeah, and as political satire, it fails because either it's not familiar enough with American politics or simply just not clever enough to do good satire there you in go. order to work. That's what I'm voting on. I did actually find myself connecting with Daisy, though. She got brutalized during that prison riot after he showed the movie. I thought she might actually have been killed. They show her in the hospital comatose and horribly brutalized. And then, of course, because we got to do even more debasing, Boss rapes her comatose body and says, I will squirt, make you squirt even in a coma. Yawn. Yeah, I'm, I I do agree with you. At this point, I'm just bored. Yeah. I'm just bored with how much you're trying to... The more he tries to offend, the more pathetic he looks. I mean, it is the Emperor's New Clothes version of, you know, someone in their own feces. I'm just like, you just think you've done something so shocking, and really, you've just exposed that you have had no ideas in the last five years. You're telling an old, dirty joke we all know the punchline to. But that she gets put in the centipede, I thought might lead. I was still giving this film a glimmer of hope for the ending. Why? I thought it might lead to Dwight turning on boss because Dwight loved her. He gave her a hanky when she was crying. She'd come around to him after that hanky moment. She started to realize he wasn't so bad. When she's in the centipede, she's gripping onto him for comfort. I thought that this could have a character arc for Butler that he would finally stand up to boss. No, it, once we see her at the centipede, we never see her again. And it was disappointing, because that was the only character whose arc I cared about. 
Yeah, she's the one that's like the girls from the first movie. She's a victim. There's no reason. She's not a prisoner. There's no reason to put her in this. The only reason to do it is you're cruel and you want to see differences come together. Dieter has some big speech about how bloods and crips are together. Different races are together. Now male and female are together. This is the ultimate union. You know, Eric Roberts comes in for what must have been two days of shooting and, uh, you know, comes in for the second time to look at what's been done here and that's the selling point is that this is the best version of a prison because it it's you don't have to pay for too many meals and it brings the prisons together there'll be no rioting because they're all tied ass to math i do want to compliment the production this is not computer graphics they really did have extras this really is a 500 person centipede yeah i did figure that out just i didn't think it was cgi it looked very real i wish that they would have done more shots to show that. They did a couple like high shots where they, I guess, climbed in the prison tower and were shooting down to show the whole centipede and Eric Roberts and Boss and Dwight walk along it. But I think if we'd followed them in a tracking shot while they walked, it might have sold a little bit more. Show us all these people squirming and their different bits. We get a few shots, but because it's such an aerial view, it felt too big. You know, it got to the point where it was so impersonal. And you see it on the poster. I mean, it's the numeral three on the poster. So they gave their best visual away. Yeah, Tom Six is a shitty artist. He doesn't know how to use the camera. He did not film this in a interesting way. I don't feel like the visual style of this movie serves the story they're telling. However flimsy the story is, it's made even worse by his amateurism of picking the shots. It's at this point when I realized the movie would have been way more interesting and I wouldn't have been bored had it started out with the 500-person centipede and we explored how it worked in the prison system and maybe didn't have Dieter Laser screaming at us through a loudspeaker for 90 minutes. Don't you want his mouth tied to some anus by the end of this? I was really hoping that's what happened when they said, you know, his heart was bad and he was having problems. I thought maybe to heal him, they would have done that or maybe... Yes. Sure, shut him up. I don't oh care my about healing God. him. Just shut the fuck up. All that <laughs> unintelligible shouting just really got on my nerves. Oh, it's horrible. And I feel that if I saw him in person, I'd just go up and punch him in the face. Like I said, the Q&A, it was a nightmare. They were all standing up there. Everyone was taking a minute to answer a question, and he took 10 minutes every time. I mean, it just dragged on and on because he thought that he could just play to the crowd and everyone just eats it up. Feed them my craziness, and they'll love it. We hate it, Dieter. We hate it. The one thing I really enjoyed about seeing these movies back-to-back is seeing how much Dieter was playing on his lines from the other one. When he keeps saying in this movie, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, well, that's what his doctor character said while crawling towards the centipede during the climax of that movie. And when he's in the centipede there, he screams, feed him, feed him. There are a lot of lines that just are direct lifts from the first one. I think it's supposed to bring nostalgia. It just makes me wish I was watching the first one again. 
Well, and here's the thing. It reminds you there wasn't that much <laughs> to go back to. Yes, they brought back everything they could. The Japanese guy is back, all of these characters. It's a big let's remember when. But what what did the original have? I mean, that's what it reminds you at the end. If it was just feed her and ass to mouth, again, did that need to be a 100-minute movie? I remember the movie. You don't need to remind me in a 100 minutes what you did five years ago. But I wonder if now that's all he's got. Maybe that's just... I've never seen him as other movies maybe this is just how he acts and that's why there's not a lot of other movies he's in and there won't be based on this reel i mean no. no why would anyone want to hire an actor that won't listen that thinks that they can be funny by shouting this level of obscenities i mean honest to god i'd rather hang out with a homeless shelter at least i could feed them some soup or something <laughs> this is the rantings of absolutely insane people and people like to romanticize like oh he's crazy this movie's crazy no this movie is crazy in the way that you want to go in the opposite direction of you want away from this unclean smelly thing i so saw the end twist coming i knew that since they were doing texas and prisons and things that the governor would find this genius the only shock to me is that it took him a moment to get there he says it's inhumane and that he's going to have them all put to death for this and then as he's driving away he thinks it over and comes back and says it's genius but that the governor would be on board for this well it's texas right and again this is six lack of creativity here he did the same thing with Dieter Laser coming around to the centipede 70 minutes of no 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 and then all of a sudden for no reason okay yes this is a good idea same thing with Eric Roberts he was this is too much this is too much this is too much drives out of the complex in his limo and then goes oh okay I guess I'll be president when, when this happens ha 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 the way to really make this work if you're going to make this work is to convince us, convince the audience that there's an insane logic to doing this, that there actually is a benefit to doing this, to appeal to our logical, unemotional nature. If they had done that, if, if six were creative enough for us to believe that, yes, a Santa prison was a good idea, then this movie should be made. If he thinks that we would all be okay with just torturing people until they're stapled to each other's asses, that isn't satire. I think so many people raved about Dieter Laser being phenomenal in the yes. first movie, which he was. Yes. He was really good. And maybe Tom Six lost something in the language translation. And then Dieter Laser just kind of went off the deep end when making this movie. Because it's like everything we loved about the first movie was exaggerated to the point of being annoying and not even enjoyable in this movie. Haven't you ever seen that with children, too? Yeah. Like sometimes a kid will say something that you just weren't expecting. They'll use the F-bomb or something, and everyone laughs. And then the kid's like, oh, you think this is funny? Fuck, 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 fuck. That's what Human Centipede 3 is. It's mm -hmm. someone thinking, oh, you like this? I'm really going to do it now. It's like, no, we were going to give you a timeout. We're going to spank you and be done with you. Yeah, I would equate it to the old adage of the parent locking the kid in the closet with a pack of cigarettes and won't let you out until you smoke them all. Because by the time it's done, you're pretty sick and tired of smoking and you're just sick. By the time Boss goes naked to the watchtower to shout nothingness to his prisoners while the Star Spangled Banner plays, I'm regretting my life choice to watch this film. It says everything, doesn't it, about how empty this experience is, how this was all made for one person to be able to do that. Congratulations, Tom Six. You made the movie you wanted. Now let's talk about whether anyone else on Earth will enjoy it. 
with the second one, we did discuss and all kind of agreed. That was his commentary based upon the press junket. And it was reactionary and it was childish, but it made for a semi-entertaining movie. Here, I don't even know why as a quote, artist, unquote, he even gives a shit about the American political system or penal system. Yeah, it's an easy target. It's just easy to bag on America because we're the big ones. I mean, there are legitimate reasons to bag on America, but you you need to support that with good writing. This kind of criticism is easily dismissible. Exactly. It needed to be personal for him to make it good. Here, like you say, it's an easy target. He's making easy jokes. I mean, it's so easy to make fun of Texas, and he doesn't even do it well. No offense, Texans, but it is, I mean, there's just jokes about everything larger in Texas. In the end, he shoots Dwight in the head, saw it coming, he shoots the doctor. I mean, it's after he shoots the doctor, the governor walks in, doesn't care about the dead doctor, says, oh, you're going to make me president, you're a genius. And then when Dwight goes, my idea, he shoots him in the head to make the doctor's death look like a murder-suicide. All right, at least the movie's over. I do get the sense, in this way, I do feel like he's like Rob Zombie, of just like, oh, he hates innocence. He doesn't believe in innocence. He wants, the baddest guy is the winner. The worst person on screen is the one that should have the final shot. Then that should be Tom Six. So, Cockroaches, did you like this film? Marjorie. As much as I love torture porn, and... As much as I love the first movie, and as much as I think the second movie was really good, both Dieter Laser and Lawrence Harvey were great in their respective debuts in this franchise. This movie's utter shit. I'm sorry. It's bad. It's not interesting. It's boring. I found myself doing other things while trying to watch this because it could not keep my attention. I found it... Very irritating to be screened at for 90 minutes by Dieter Laser and largely unintelligible sounds he was making. And it just wasn't, it wasn't good. Bottom line, I think you're fine just seeing one and two. And if you have to pay for this, I'm sorry. Don't do it. Just wait till it's free somewhere if you feel you must see it. But don't waste your money on this. This is a big not recommend. Stuart. Yeah, like I said, what I'm actually evaluating is, is this the worst film we've ever reviewed? I'm going to say no. I think that there are a few of those Stephen Kings, like Mangler 3 came to mind, where it was even more unprofessional. But it's a close. It is absolutely without a redeeming merit. There's not really anything I can point to and say, oh, but this helps. You know, usually in even the worst movies, you find a moment or a scene. I mean, like I said, the best I can do is that close-up of a guy getting pulled by his lip sutures into an anus. So if you feel like you need to see that, it's here and it's done really well. Everything (laughs) else is horrendous. Horrendous, horrendous, horrendous. And I really do feel for the people having to promote this movie and be in this movie and have this movie on their resume. I feel guilty myself for participating in the promotion of this movie by recording a podcast about it. I actually wish that we had never covered the series, that we could just pretend this didn't happen. There's nothing so good about the shock of the first one that it's worth enduring this movie it's a not recommend for all three now i literally just hate this series i hate tom six so much for putting this out i i never thought he was a great filmmaker but he made up for it in other ways with clever casting with a provocative premise but now he has nothing and he insists that my hating it is a badge of pride that because he has gotten people to flinch that that's the same thing as making great art 
Fuck him. <laughs> wow. It, it, may, it may not be the worst movie we've ever seen, but I have never seen you spout this venom towards a film. I've seen you spout this venom in personal <laughs> life, but never towards a film. It's amazing. I feel like Dieter Laser now. I, I got it on my system, though. I don't need to shoot anybody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listeners, you're getting another side of Stewart, and this is not a performance. <laughs> this is... <laughs> uh, wow. <laughs> and... I've said that the worst movie we've ever covered at this point is Jupiter Ascending, but this is a tie. It really is. Wow, come on. That's so mean to Jupiter Ascending. <laughs> that had some budget visual effects. Come yeah, on. Yeah, pissing away more money and spending more of my time. That's not good. I'd rather have them piss on me than Dieter Laser. Well, yes. Well, I feel like they both showered me with their golden. At least my Kunis is cute. So was Daisy. Daisy was cute, yeah. Okay. It's a horrible film that does. I stand by my recommendations of the other one, but man, if there was an eternal sunshine for the spotless mind kind of place I could go, I would erase this from my memory. <laughs> it's true. You wouldn't do the whole series then? No, I, I would do this one so that I could still think fondly of the others in the series. Yeah, you're right. I would feel so different if Tom Six had gone on and made another clever film that had no scatological humor, that he proved that he was a provider tour instead of a child that just held up a, a piece of poop. I don't think he's got anything else in him. I think this is it. He was a one-trick pony, and he's out of ponies. Yeah. yeah, he shit into all of our mouths with this film, and I'm tired of being part of his scatological pornography. I, too, think that if there is a human centipede for him, he says he's done, and thank God if he means it. But I don't know that he has anything else in him. And if there's a human centipede for we're not going to do what we did here. We pushed Cujo, which is not a great film by any means. But man, we pushed it out so far because of this, because of this unanticipated release. And now I'm next time I will watch Human Centipede 4 to screen it and decide if we should cover it or not. There will not be a guarantee on this one. This is the first series where I'm just so done. Aren't you glad we didn't drive eight hours around trip to oh. see this? Oh, Lord, yeah. Yeah. Well, I told you guys ahead of time, I got to see it before it went on pay-per-view. I was like, do not drive anywhere to see this. And like I said, I'm embarrassed that we're covering it. I actually, I feel bad. I would have co preferred any other movie, literally any other movie playing right now to cover it than to cover this film. This is just worth, this is not, it, like I said, I think we've, we've stressed this. We were people that liked the provocation of the first one. We're not prudes that are mortified by why, what's been done here. We're mortified at, at how little has been done here, but not that it's scatological. Yeah, exactly. And I am sad because there is that contingent of listeners, a lot of them on Twitter, who tweet to us that they're watching this movie. One guy tweeted he had never seen a human centipede film, but was going to watch the entire trilogy over the weekend to listen to our review. God, oh, I feel I'm so awful. Sorry, man. I do. That, that, I literally, I think I just threw up in my mouth. <laughs> yeah, I'm so sorry to him, too. But we'll make up with it. We're going to get back to some Stephen King, do Firestarter next week, and this Friday... We are going to Jurassic Park. I can't imagine a more extreme shift than from this utter horrible, <laughs> horrible movie that is unredeemable to Jurassic Park, one of Spielberg's best. 
Well, I, I, you know what? Anything to wipe the slate clean. I, I'm glad we're just, you know, why follow up with, with that? I mean, let's just clear the air. Let's watch a known quantity that everyone has seen. Everyone's got an opinion about. I'm not in love with it as much as you are, Arnie, but I did read the book. There will be a books and nacho soon. We will be covering the movie for gold level donors this Friday. And yes, that is part of our spring donation series. It's at our gold level. And also coming out this week, if you went platinum, will be our review of the new Poltergeist film. All three of us have seen it, and we will have that review out shortly this week. So if you want to hear those, go to nowplayingpodcast.com, click the banner at the top of the page. You'll find all the details on how to donate and support this show, and maybe just I'm not above taking charity for anyone who feels bad for us for watching this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, I actually would prefer you send your money to anyone that had paid to see this. Again, I saw a free screening. So all I, it cost me was time, which was enough, frankly. But yes. We paid, but fortunately we yes. watched the same screening. So we yes. just paid once. Okay. Well. If Jacob was here, then that would be double the money. Yeah, we minimize the damage, but still, yes, we we do appreciate those that help us support these shows. All shows cost something for us to produce. This one more than most emotionally. <laughs> this one cost my soul. Yeah, it sure did. But uh, we we thank anyone that can contribute, and we pay you back with a lot of Spielberg this summer. So if you like Indiana Jones, if you like Jurassic Park, if you like Poltergeist, and I think a lot of people do, I hope you join us for these conversations. They've been fun to have, and a lot more fun to hear than what we just covered. So we'll be back this Friday with Jurassic Park and next Tuesday with Firestarter. We'll talk to you then. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production. Copyright 2015. All rights reserved. Today we're just, today we're sneezing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> as soon as you started talking, it started to happen and I couldn't get it, any words out. You were allergic to this movie. Yes. God. As all, our, all humanity will be. Too much fecal matter. It's just not good. Fuck, 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 fuck. It's been done for a while. Yes. I'm, what, what beeped? I didn't hear anything. I hear nothing. Fuck, 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 fuck. And I also met Ashlyn Yinny and Ashley... I met Ashlyn and Ashley. Fuck, 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 fuck. And bought... That something's beeping. That's an IM notice. I didn't get one. It's on Facebook or some Facebook notification bleep. Oh, and it's someone's birthday. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Thanks, Facebook. It's always someone's birthday. I know. Jesus. Fuck, 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 fuck. Uh, I want to say Tommy Lasorda. What's his name? Robert Lasorda. Yeah. Robert Lasorda. 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 Yeah. Fuck, 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 fuck,